Hello. So why early on early intervention? Why don't we just say, oh, well, you know, next week, next month, next year. <laughs> why is the early so important and why is it today? We're going to approach it from brain pathways, brain neuro pathways, right? The roads. And these will be the pathways that the data that's either chemical or electrical will shoot up and down, back and forth in your brain, in the brains of the people you work with, the, which could be small children <laughs> uh, or tall children, <laughs> like really tall children. <laughs> like you should be older than that. You should know better. <laughs> okay, enough silliness. Let's be serious. Um, all right, so a neural pathway, I have an example here of a little sprinkle of sand. So just pretend you've got some sand in your fingers and you're sprinkling a little long line of uh, 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 rock, right? Okay, so that's kind of how a neural pathway habit will start off. A little, just a small, scant trace of a habit. And then as it gets more reinforcement, more sand. Ooh, some rocks. Oh, pretty soon, maybe a little concrete poured in there, right? And so soon that, that habit will be um, quite the strong, rigid, concrete road. And is that the, really the pathway that you wanted someone to have? Or do we need to intervene, right? And then, are, again, what's your mindset? What's your perspective in this? Are you thinking about people that you work with? All right, in that case, then you would need to have that conversation today uh, respectfully cur with courtesy and you would set your boundaries and you would be non-emotional about it. You do it in a calm state when everybody's teachable and malleable and you would layer it with uh, something positive, state your truth, and then something else positive, kind of like a cookie, Oreo cookie or something, right? Um, if you're talking about someone that you have autonomy over, like you're a parent in these days right now of COVID-19, we're all trying to be parents and professionals and keep our kids focused at the same time, fade all of our prompts. So if I'm working with my son in this case, then if we had something happen today that I would not want to keep on happening, then if I decide to stall and just overlook it because it's just too much trouble, today, then what have I built for myself tomorrow? What have I helped him build for himself tomorrow? A bigger redo project, that's what, right? Uh -huh. So no matter what it is, um, I've been taught by the best to intervene. Now, if I'm at home, it depends on what the intervention is. If I'm out in public, then, you know, yeah, you do, you can't just walk away from your kid. Although I will admit from time to time when we've been at home and if the drama king was just or the drama prince was just really going, you know, sometimes the audience just leaves <laughs> and it's a miracle. <laughs> there's just no there's no performance anymore. <laughs> um, but back to that. Uh, so taking. Uh, taking action today, right? Um, and that's why the, the, the profoundness of this is the consistency. The, the fact that we love our kids or we love the people with whom we're talking about right now, uh, that we love them enough to set our boundary, to keep our boundary, to be honest, to be transparent, to not be codependent, to go ahead and address it today. 
the art of gentle confrontation. We do not want to wait until we're about ready to blow our top, right? And then it's all going to come out with far more force than we would have used if we had been in a calm, teachable state. If our vagus nervous system had been, you know, just kind of cruising, everything was fine. All right, so anyway, I made this funny little slide here that I use in the workshops. And um, there was a, sometimes I use the analogy of, um, so this, let's say in this case, children, children and parent relationship. So the parent has allowed this kid to stem or to squawk or to make bad habits or to be rude or to get away with running away or, you know, I mean, right? The list just goes on and on, right? <laughs> it's practically full-time parenting, just working on the behavior redirects. All I can tell you, well, not all. What I can tell you is that it is effective to intervene now early and stick to your boundary and pretty soon the kid will realize that you mean it. And once they realize that you mean it in a loving way, then they won't keep challenging it. It's just when they can sniff weakness, right? In the movie uh, Jurassic Park, right? When the velociraptors were checking the perimeter of the barbed wire to see if there was any weaknesses, then they were gonna attack. Sometimes our kids feel like that, right? You've been you've been in those moments of weakness when they're lay, laying it on thick in the checkout lane at the grocery store, and you just go, "Okay, fine." And then, Dad, gummit, you just you just increased your trouble in the next if next week or two weeks, or you just got to hold your boundaries, and and you have to set them when everybody's listening, which means that your kid has to be willing to hear, and sometimes. John will be just squawking on, just prattling in a way, just, you know, something to get my attention in a negative attention-seeking way, because right now there's not too many audiences for him, so, hey, mom's the best gig in town. So, um, the um, just trying to get at attention, and I will... Um, I will need to make sure if I, if I have to step away or I, I will say this, tell me when you're ready to talk or tell me when you're ready to listen and then I'll just shut up because until he tells me he's ready and then I don't believe him and then I say, no, I mean it. Tell me when you're ready. I might stand there and look at him in the eye. I might turn my back and walk away. It just kind of depends on what intervention I need to give myself to make sure cooler jets win, cooler jets prevail. So I have to wait until he's ready to hear, ready to listen, ready to be in the moment, ready for joint attention. And when that happens, okay, now let's talk about what needs to change, how we're going to do it right, how we're going to do it right like that every time from now on. Um, I try to keep my long-term consequences, unintended consequences for him, kind of down to the minimum. Um, and not, try not to be negative about the negative consequences. <laughs> How do you make Pollyanna out of, you know, you're going to be lonely. <laughs> if you don't stop this loud behavior, you're not going to have friends. How do you change that into something positive? Well, I did give that my best shot earlier today. Um, I try not to go there very often, but sometimes, you know, it's like you just got to make it blatantly clear, but not in a, not in, not in a way where there's no hope. I just, you know how these people will go on, right? They're just, they, they just really want attention. They're not really seeking solution or answers or, or a joint conversation or a collaboration. 
They just want to win. <laughs> and that's what we learned in customer service back in my heyday in petrochemical is that, you know, if the customer wants to vent and you're trying to close in too quickly on solving the situation, they're just going to stay mad. So got to bleed out the, 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 the whatever the, um, the, the incorrect decision is. And sometimes I'll just say, well, we're just going to wait right here. We're not going to move until you're ready to listen, and we're gonna do it right. And then he usually comes back and says, I am sorry, I apologize. Um, so that, that, that'll work, you can try that. All right, so anyway, my funny little road maps here, right, about the, the, the wrong neural pathway, eventually made out of good solid reinforced concrete, lots of rebar, lots of iron mesh, over the edge of the cliff, because I never intervened prior to that. So the road to nowhere, and guess what happens then is I'm gonna have to, we're we're gonna be working on that sucker with jackhammers, right? So why would I allow an incorrect behavior, decision, thought, action? Whoops, can't control thoughts, but um, I can I can perceive what the thoughts are based on what he thinks will come out as what he says, and then which will come out further as what he does, right? So I can sometimes work back up the food chain on that. But why would I, why would I want to have a really monster big project in five years when I could start on it now? Okay, so just look at it from a selfish standpoint. Do you really want to let your kid go such a long distance toward nowhere? That that path that's never going to be useful, that habit that's never going to build what they want in life, friendships, relationships, appropriate social inclusion at school. Um, Acceptance in the gen ed classroom, friends, whatever it is. Okay, so early, right? And it doesn't mean yesterday, and it doesn't mean, you know, guilt for, gosh, I should have done it, shoulda, coulda, woulda in the past. It's, no, just today. No guilt, no shoulda, coulda, woulda, no procrastination, no um, undue emotion, just a good plan today. All right, we're going to work on this now. That's really all we have, right? Now you've heard this said that the um, the present the no the future is, um, what do they say that rats? My illustration is going to go nowhere here. Um, they I'm working backwards. That's why they call it the present. All we have is today. The past is something, and the future. I don't know. Forget my forgive my forgive me. We're moving on. Bad analogy. Brain. Uh, uh, brain neural pathway did. <laughs> All right, I just clicked on to the next um, slide. So back to the, uh, I, since I've been talking about neural pathways, I've, we've used this slide before just as an example to give you. So if you are talking about a neurotypical child and they're learning variation of pulling themselves up on the couch or how to ride a bike or how to eat food or how to write their name or anything, then that bottom half will be appropriate for their trials their elimination, their pruning. Oh, this is the right way to do it. So you'll they'll naturally compress and reduce all of those variations until they get something that's more solid, like the one on the top. If we're talking about learning differences or neurodiversity or just the uh, the data that's zipping through the neural pathways 250 miles an hour, 
It's just, you know, short circuit here and short circuit, short circuits here, short circuits there. And we just have a variety of, you just never can tell this unpredictable behavior, unpredictable um, expressive language back. Um, I see that with my kid, uh, my younger one. A lot of just, I'm not sure how this is going to go. And in fact, I've gone, I've entered into many an adventure out in public, really, truly not knowing what was going to happen, but knowing that that was the only place where solutions could be found was out in public. And if we had to correct, fine, we're going to intervene now. We're going to correct. We're going to practice. We're going to correct. Um, but really no, for sure. <laughs> but I, I've told you this already, right? That is that, is that if he's testing my boundaries. I'm going to stand there, my version of early intervention. I'm not going to go chase him down. Although in the early, early years as a little tiny kid, yeah, there was some of that. Thank God those days are over. You could never really let your kid out of your grip. I remember that, you know. Um, uh, but I will stand there now and he'll go on his way and then he'll stop and then he'll turn around and then he'll smirk. And then I'll be talking to the the people that are looking at me like, why are you just standing here, lady? And I'll smile and I'll say, yeah, we're working on our social skills. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's smirking from 40 yards out. And then he's finally does his boomerang thing and comes padding back. And then he knows we're smiling. He knows we're going to make a joke out of it. He knows we're going to do it right. He knows we're going to say we're going to do it right this time. And this is how we always do it. And so eventually then what's down there on the bottom half of the slide will get pruned down and he, he knows that he's going to narrow down. He knows he's going to eventually do the right thing. He knows what to do the right thing, but it's behavior choices of, hey, this is way more entertaining to see what I can, what kind of rise I can get out of mom or go out and just try to mess with the world. So sometimes it's that, um, Inappropriate developmental delay, you know, like a two-year-old will try to win and they're testing things more so than maybe a, well, I was going to say 13-year-old. Who knows? Maybe a 13-year-old tests boundaries as much as a two-year-old does. But what I'm trying to offer here is that the purposeful pruning of eccentricities of behavior choices and language choices of any kind of choice um, will take more intervention, will take more purposefulness pruning in a neurodiverse child, someone with learning differences, um, someone who has to really struggle with sensory integration transmissions and go like, wahoo, all over the place. So the ultimate goal is to get more predictable behaviors, more predictable transmissions, more predictable expressive language. I don't mean echolea predictable. I mean just not fruity, you know. <laughs> I don't know if, if, well, I shouldn't. Well, yes, I will. Okay, so if, if John decides that he wants to speak expressive language in an inappropriate way, it's going to sound like pre-verbal -ver, pre babble, right? It's going to sound like I say, we're not in the zoo, John. Kids are not expecting monkey. They want sentences. So that's what you're going to have to do. You need to talk like the other kids. So you see, I am one of these parents that care more that he is uncomfortable now, but comfortable in the longer run, that he is ready for life. And so if it means that I have to hold him to pretty strict boundaries now, so we prune those wrong neural pathways, and I intervene today, 
I think that's better than a parent that would say, oh, just let them be comfortable. Let them stem. It's okay. Um, it won't ever hurt them. Yes, it will. It will hurt them in the long run when you're not here to protect them. Okay. Sorry about that. Just something to consider. That's why we're working on today. Early is today. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Speaking of the brain, all right, so here's a couple of slides on one of the most powerful ways that your the kid's brain is going to work. The powerful template or tools, pick what you want to say. There's a book in the hyperlink there, and then there's a graphic that goes with it. kind of helps you clock out different parts of the brain and what they're used for. And you know, not everybody's brain is wired exactly like this. And so let's say that um, the, the wiring has uh, weaknesses and strengths, too much, too little. So you're going to have data coming in faster, lesser. It's going to, but you still have behavior. You still have a child's intrinsic motivation or an adult's choice on what they do with their, um, the data in their brain, the data in their decision-making processes, all right? So you're not a prisoner of your brain. Your brain is plastic. Your, pris your, 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 your brain is the opportunity to get out of prison because it can work around. So let's say that for some reason your motor, motor cortex has been damaged or wasn't all there in the first place. So the brain will figure out some way with enough of appropriate practice, it'll figure a workaround. You've heard this. People who have strokes, they come back and they go through rehab and part of their brain is dead, lack of oxygen. They're able to work around it, work through it. The brain is an amazing thing. So I thought this slide would be useful to you. And then as we click and go on to the next one, there's a bunch of uh, research. Uh, these are all uh, research articles on the power of music as it relates to the brain, research, education, why your kid ought to participate in fine arts, why they should let him sing, he or she sing or play, participate in the band. Um, as I've said before, John's had to earn that as in, in junior high school. It was a bit more of a gift in intermediate, um, but uh, worth every ounce of effort, worth it. And there's always the, well, if you need to get your kids' attention, you need to sing them a song, put it to music, and the brain will pay more attention to that than if you were just droning on and on with no voice inflection. Okay. Music is very powerful. It ignites the brain more than basically any other function that you can, can use. And it's magic for communication. That's why early childhood has so many sing-song things, right? Um, I used to plop him on the back of the bike and I'd sing to him as I would ride him, as he would be in the back of the bike with all that midline crossover kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, early childhood DVDs uh, and CD, so music and video, in the very early dark, dark days. Um, uh, um, signing Times and... Um, then some other series of uh, early childhood uh, DVDs, and I can't think of the name right now. I don't think I have it on this slide, but um, I'll get back to you on that. Um, some really great, the, the kind of CDs you never find used. <laughs> you, you find them, you, you just, nobody ever gives them up. They give them away. They never outgrow them. They hand them on. They're like legacy CDs. But Signing Times and then a Bumblebee series, I think that's the one. Um, Oh, yeah, those were dark days, man. I was 
We use them constantly. Listen to them in the car. Listen to them um, trying to understand words, trying to build vocabulary. Um, yeah, wow. Okay, click on. So let's talk about why this neural pathway stuff is so important. What's this magical thing, this magical computer that you're walking around with that you don't fully appreciate? So these next two slides just present the right left um, brain that in the section right down the middle, the column colossum, in different ways. So depending on what your learning style is, if you like pictures, if you like words, um, if you like uh, sentences, you know, auditory, if you like, like I'm right now, I'm talking to you, as opposed to you having to read this. All right, so our central nervous system consists of the brain and then the spinal column. And that data does go that fast, but not directly at birth. It takes a little while to build up the infrastructure. And by then the roads are good enough and the cars are going as fast as they can, 250 miles an hour. Um, so the, the left brain you see here, a list, and these are, you know, kind of, what's, what am I trying to say, um, stereotypical. Um, if a person is, nobody's exactly left-brained and exact, or exactly right-brained. There's the data, the, the whole point is that you, the dendrites go across the column colossum and you have referral. So you might be thinking of numbers, letters, and then all of a sudden you're on to calligraphy, right? Or hieroglyphics. So your, your brain's bouncing back and forth, referencing and the dendrites are flying, and the data is rip-snorting across the column colossum. But just in a stereotypical way, so let's look at the, green, the, the left side of the brain. So this is Spock, right? Are you, are you into Star Trek? So here's Spock, and then the right-hand side is going to be Kirk, in a way. Um, so logical, the language, analytical grammar, punctuation, sequential. Um, we could say boring, but maybe I shouldn't. Um, so those of us that uh, when we do our taxes, when we pay attention to computer work, when we, um, oh, there's so many things that are uh, following a list, right? We're headed to the grocery store. We have the discipline to get just what's on the list. All of that's left brain function. Um, when we read, when we, um, here, you're planning. So, um, um, and then actually it says there at the bottom that the left-hand side controls the, the left brain controls the right-hand side of the body. Interesting, right? And so that's why you sometimes have the left-right confusion with someone who's got um, learning differences because this the left controls the right side and the right controls the left side. So you see that down at the bottom? Kind of an interesting, um, again, back to tr trying to build balance. So on looking at the right-hand side of the brain now, uh, again, down at the bottom of the list, if someone is so right-brained and they have no not as much left-hand side, okay, that's where they would have a, a really a big challenge with understanding time. Um, uh, they say that's where gross motor is stored. Interesting. Um, so your um, uh, creativity, the pictures, your intuition, anything that's not just numbers. So um, I, ironically, it says encoding, but I think that has to do with language encoding. I don't think they're talking about machine code one and zeros and things like that. Or decoding, okay, so decoding would be to break it down, encoding would be to build it up. Okay, quick list. I did not make this list up, I just put it on the slide here. I found it, I thought it might be useful to you. Again, though, it's very stereotypical, um, and it's, uh, it's not absolute. It's not a full inclusive list of everything. It just is trying to give you some balances, something to compare to, right? So here's one that's pretty cool. 
So you see the left-hand side of the brain, again, kind of a stereotypical thing. It's not quite that dull over there, but it's machine code kind of thing, right? File it away, get it, retrieve, use it, put it back. Practical. It says there, I am order, I am logic, I know exactly who I am. Really? Wow. I'm practical, we knew that. Realistic, I am a scientist, mathematician. I love the familiar. Uh, I like to categorize, I'm accurate, I'm linear. So give me a list, baby. Don't ask me to create. So um, uh, for the kids that, like, I look at John and I ask him what he wants and he sometimes just says, well, whatever you say. So I don't know if that means that his right-hand side of the brain is just not kicking in at that point, um, or he doesn't have enough data over there, or the column colossum circuits are just like, nope, we're not going to the right-hand side of the brain right now. We're going to stay on the left. That's all the data you get. You know, it's hard to say exactly how the, what's zipping back and forth. Um, but again, in a broad, big, sitting up in your helicopter, looking down at the brain thing. So then right-brained. So we would be using the right uh, side of our brain if we were coloring, if we were doing photography and we were trying different exposures, if we were um, substituting ingredients in a recipe, right? Let's see, let's see what it says here. Um, I am creativity, I'm a free spirit. I don't like rules, right? Uh, I am passion. I am yearning. I am sensuality. I am the sound of ringing laughter. Um, uh, barefooted, vivid colors, uh, non-provincial. I'm the urge to paint on an empty canvas. Um, I sense, I feel, I am everything I wanted to be. So that's an interesting uh, paradigm there. So left-hand side says, I know exactly who I am. Don't make me stretch. Leave my pocket protector alone. Give me my glasses. I'm fine. Um, and I wouldn't stereotype that that's an introvert, but it does kind of lead me to think that. The right-hand side is I'm just, hey, man, I'm wild. I'm all over the place. And I'm not saying that that's full extroversion, but that might be an analogy that may help you there. So pretty exciting stuff. And of course, how the brain is supposed to work is that the data pings back and forth, back and forth. And so you have counterbalance, ballast. You have a, um, you're doing your taxes and at the same time, you're figuring out what you're going to make for supper or go out and have, uh, a, 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 go to watch a movie with some friends. And so you're over here on the right-hand side of the brain and then you come back to the left-hand side. Um, those of us who by Meyer-Briggs are like, half and half. So I'm half P and I'm half J, if you're familiar with Meyer Briggs. Um, that means that uh, I'm okay. I don't have to be nailed down on my schedule if I'm social on the right-hand side. But if I'm uh, business or doing um, taking care of numbers uh, or working on computer stuff, it has to be exactly right. Then I'm going to be over on the left-hand side of my brain, making sure that it's correct and it's not sloppy work. But I'm the same person. It's just where is the task that I need to function on? Um, where is the, uh, the the data that I need to use to finish the project that I'm, I've started? So anyway, just some different ways to look at that right brain, left brain balance. And if we are, you know, our multiple intelligences, right? The book that... Um, um, Oh, I just forgot his name. Sorry, it's over on my bookshelf. Multiple intelligences. Um, so it, there um, uh, are some, uh, such as 
uh, the logic, which would be all mathematician. So we know that's the, the left side of the brain. Um, someone who's in, in music, a conductor, um, a sculptor. Uh, they have other, they have a, a name there for the different pieces of the multiple intelligences. We'll bring that in and compare it with the right and left side of the brain soon, I promise. <laughs> I'll put it on my list of things to do. All right, anyway, thank you for your time. I hope this has been useful. Let's come back to the premise of the beginning, which is early intervention. So here's this phenomenal legacy that we see right here, this brain. And you have it, your kids have it, your colleagues at work have it, and it's a masterful um, collaboration. And so to get it to work as best as possible and not to be lost going in the wrong direction that's why we intervene now, why we have the honest conversation so we don't waste time and we don't waste brain power and we don't waste dendrites and decisions and misunderstandings and, um, uh, you know, t classic texting problems, right? You never text someone if there's a problem. You find them and you get it done face-to-face -face and at a minimum voice-to-voice -voice so that you have some right and left brain um, understanding and tools to use and um, trying to be fully understood, both parties, all the parties engaged. So that's why texting is just so black and white and it could be misinterpreted so many ways. And then all the, um, uh, the, the, the assets that come from the right brain won't be able to be used because there's a lack of data. And that's why you're out of context. That's why you need to see their face. You need to read the body language. You need to uh, have a tone of voice. You need to be able to ask questions. Okay, so a little bit there on conflict resolution. <laughs> All right, thanks for your time. All right, see you soon.